Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the podcast, Suzette. You're so lovely, and um, I really am excited to be able to have you on the podcast today. Uh, I've been noticing, like in this season, that like the amount of spiritual uh, warriors that have been showing up have been very intense. So, uh, not to like you know raise the bar to a level that's like creating anxiety or any way that you have to show up or perform at all, but nonetheless, like. Uh, just for those people that are listening that don't know uh, Suzette Lambert, um, she's a spiritual mother to me in that she's really been helping me to grow in the prophetic and also in discernment of spirits. And so Suzette, uh, yeah, just thank you for the amazing uh, woman of God that you are. And uh, just, uh, you know, our first question always is for those that don't know you, who are you? Okay. So obviously my name is Suzette Lambert. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist with the state of Georgia. That's just talks a little bit about me. Um, I've been doing that for about 30 years. I'm a, I'm a wife. I'm married to the same man for the last 41 years. I have two kids, two grandbabies, which are the center of the world. Um, and I think probably the most important thing to me however is uh, my relationship with Jesus so bottom line I am a child of the most high I am a king to the king of kings and um, I am passionately and madly in love with him um, I create micro churches uh, I have recently created one um, and have done that in the past just small little uh, church not assemblies, but like groups of gatherings. Right now I have one going with women, 10 women in a group online. And um, I never know what I'm going to do next because the Lord is so faithful to just say, go do this, Suzette. And I go, oh, okay, we can do that. And so I've, I've, uh, we've been a nomad for the last 22 years because he's told us to go places. We originally from Washington State, he told us, to leave Washington and sent it to Florida and lived there for nine years and then went to someplace else and now we moved here. So I'm not meaning to, we just do what he says, hopefully always. So I think that gives a little bit of information. I love that. So yeah, being married for 41 years and being a therapist for 30 years, that's incredible. Um, so, it is. so what do you have before we dive into the work stuff? Don't want to, you know, discredit, um, by just skipping over the fact that you and your husband have been married for 41 years. That's incredible. What, what do you think is your secret sauce for being able to be married for that long? Jesus. I mean, really? So there's a little story here. We're sitting, we are, we have, we were living in Oregon at the time we end up in in a concert in Southern California because we've gone there for vacation. And what we, what happened was uh, my husband had lost his mom about three months later. And uh, he was in a horrible mood, had been in a horrible mood for 
for most of our marriage um, at that point. And um, so I'm sitting there, we're sitting in this concert. I've already determined in my head that when, um, when we're done, I'm going to go home and I'm going to leave him. And this week, we'd been married about five, six years at the time. And so we're sitting in this concert and all of a sudden, this guy just shuts down the whole concert. His name is Milan Lefebvre. It was a Christian concert. And he says, the Lord won't let me go on. He said, the Lord will not let me go on. And he says, there's someone out there and you're thinking about leaving your spouse. And you need to know that your spouse is not the enemy. That there's an enemy out there and it's not your spouse. So that changed everything. That was a major game changer. And, I, and so Jesus has been the secret sauce. It's been the fact that my husband isn't the enemy. That there's an enemy and my husband isn't it. Hmm. Wow. Were you just, what was your heart like in that moment? Were you just feeling like Holy Spirit tingles? Were you just wrecked? What did that look like? I felt like you caught me. (laughs) (laughs) Oops, oops, I've been caught. And so, and so it was like, and so I felt my heart just melting um, before the Lord. And I'm going, okay, um, I'm going to deal with this. And the next day, uh, we had to drive uh, from California to Oregon and we talked the whole way. And uh, we talked about the fact that I, I, I was committed to leaving up until that time. And uh, he said, um, he said, I figured you were thinking something about that or along those lines. And so we were able to have this just amazing conversation that just lasted for hours with with a little baby girl, well, probably four years old, four or five years old in the backseat at that point. And uh, we were so, I was so humbled because that's how God has been for me is, is if I was ever to even think about stepping um, outside uh, the boundaries, he would say, oh no, here, come back. You're coming back. We're bringing you back. So, He's just been so kind in that way. So, so we've been married 41 years by his grace, mm-hmm. truly. Well, uh, thank you for your uh, humility and vulnerability to share that. I know not many people have the ability to kind of talk through some of the rocky patches that, that you have to go through. You know, oftentimes maybe in in public we just want to solely be able to share about our wins and and not be real about you know some of the struggles that we've had to overcome in order to get there yeah Um, how unfair is that by the way i guess i just think that is unfair that we can't we aren't honest and we aren't real and we aren't true to those things because this is this is god's story it's not just mine yeah it's like almost robbing him of of glory (laughs) not being able to share uh, some of the ways that we've uh, worked to mess things up (laughs) come and intercede and press the, uh, the solve or the transformation button for us. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, there's that, that's one of the things that's just one. There's been a million times. There's been a million times that, that he has shown up another time real quick um, 41 years of marriage if I don't share this one I was angry this happened about two years ago I was so angry and I was in that place of just um, where I can be as far as judgment goes and I was just angry and I crawled into bed 
And suddenly there's an angel standing right before me. And he says to me, the only problem with your marriage is your anger. Hmm. Again, my heart had to melt. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. That is wild. You know, as I shared at your house, um, that at 22, my guardian angel saved my life. But at the time, I did not know that it was an angel that was, uh, you know, working to pull me off of the rooftop. Right. That angel showed up in the form of like a 40-something-year-old security guard. Um, but I haven't had any like angel experiences thus far since like being, you know, following Jesus for the last seven years. So what did that what did that look like? Can you kind of help us understand for those that, you know, those that are on this call that are listening that have never like experienced an angel thus far, uh, what does the manifested form of that look like? Well, in that moment, he, at least to me, he, he they're, they take appearances. Some of them look male, some look female. They aren't male, female, like we know male, female. That's just the parents they have. Um, and so this one looked like about, oh, I don't know, maybe an eight foot angel. The thing was, I said to him, as I was standing here, there with him, I said, I've met you before. And I knew he was also the angel of marriage that works with me in my practice. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, it just looks like a long flowing robe, long hair, like angels, you know, like from the storybooks or whatever kind of look like. Um, but it's not how they look. It's how they present in the spirit that, that makes them, they, they bring, each of them brings like a different facet of him and how, who he is and how he shows up. Uh, and, and so it's like most high, it's a piece of him. It's so amazing. So while I could sit there and see somebody that was probably maybe two or three feet taller than me and uh, just noticing that because he was, he was fairly large. It's just the way he showed up and the severity of what he was telling me um, and what Holy Spirit wanted to get through to me in that moment. Gotcha. So you touched upon the fact that you've worked with this angel or partnered with this angel before in your work as a therapist. Um, yeah. Talk, talk to us a little bit about your work as a therapist and how did you kind of get into that profession? Well, um, really interesting. Uh, when I was in high school, um, I, I really, I took a psychology class and I really thought it was fun. It was, it was like mind puzzles and stuff. Um, and so I enjoyed that. I went to, when I got out of uh, college or I got out of high school, I went to school and I thought I'd major in psychology, but then I thought, oh, I'd have to become a cop psychologist. That's when I went to school. And, um, and so I end, I end up in Bible school because I broke up with a young man and it just kind of messed my head all up. And I'd gone from one relationship to another, things that you do when you're young. And, um, so I ended up in Bible school and, and Bible school was a good place for me. It was during the charismatic renewal. I'd already, I'd already just plunged into Jesus, um, by that time anyway. 
So I went to Bible school, doing the charismatic funeral, a lot of Jesus stuff, street ministry. It was just so fun. And um, and then I came out uh, just a year of that, went back to school, thought, okay, I'll go be a missionary. Or I'll, and I ended up, or and so I wanted to be a teacher and all these things. And then I just left school for a while, got a job, married my husband, had our daughter. Um, and then I'm sitting there in a church service in a church in Oregon, uh, in the church of Oregon, in Oregon that we were going to at the time. And I, um, they were having all these people co come forward that were just so hurt and so broken. And I'm, and being the empath that I am, I just sat there and, uh, I said, Oh God, what do you want? And, um, he said, get ready. You're going back to school. I've called you to the healing of the body. And I went, okay. So now I didn't now. So the only thing I knew to do that was we, we left Oregon. We went to Washington. I went to school, um, finished my, finished my undergraduate, took a year off, maybe two, maybe two, because I had, an, had another child. We had our second child, and then I went to grad school and um, worked in a church for a while uh, with people that did go there and didn't go there. Um, and I feel like in so many ways, I haven't even been born yet into the healing of the body. As much as I've done, mm -hmm. I just feel like I've just, I'm just scraping the iceberg. <clears throat> well, and that's a woman who has been working for, well, we're going to start talking about deliverance as well and the healing uh, work there, but, you know, 31 years in, in therapy, that's a, that's a powerful statement to be making, Susan. So excited to, to dive into that some more as well. Now you said that you had been at that point also following Jesus for some time. So when did you first meet Jesus and when did you surrender your life over to him? So, so my mom says, I used to walk around at four all the time talking about how much I love Jesus at four. At 12 during, like, uh, like I said earlier, charismatic renewal was going on. My parents got saved and they were just talking about Jesus and how differently they had felt. And all of a sudden, I just felt the goosebumps and I knew that this was all going to be a very serious process. And so it was like at 12, I was recommitting to what I already knew it for. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Figure that one out, right? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, so then I was more radical than my peers and most people about Jesus. I remember praying for the kids I went to high school with. And it's amazing how many of them got saved over the years. I mean, it's just like you don't even think about those things. If you can get your kids praying for their schoolmates, you don't know when that's going to happen. I don't know that, that this, it, it was my prayers. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have prayed for those people. But it's just been amazing to see how many of them have gotten prayed for, for the years, over the years. And I grew up in a little tiny town with uh, 53 people in my high school class. So, you know, it's just interesting. Hmm. 
No, I loved what you said. That really rocked me of recommitting to what you had already known at 12 at four. Yeah. <laughs> For me, you know, you're, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I know I shouldn't be, it's hard to not get, uh, you know, frustrated to know, like, you know, having to spend 20 years in, in the wrong kingdom from 10 to 31, but you right. know, at 31 recommitting to what I knew at 10 <laughs> and, right. uh, and, you know, just being, you know, deeply in love with Jesus, you know, when I was, when I was young and a youth and, you know, feeling the power of prayer and, and recognizing God's presence at, at mass. And also like, being able to, while sleeping, like while going to bed after praying, God giving me prophetic dreams about what he wanted me to do, whether that be like starting a rock band or building a go-kart or, you know, playing a new game with friends. Like God would give me these dreams and visions and show me how it would work. And then I right. was walking it out. And, and I didn't know at the time that that's what was happening. But now having been strengthened in the Lord and growing in all these giftings of recognizing like, oh my gosh, Jesus was just absolutely just, you know, partnering with me to, you know, work these things out and how funny it was too, that he loved me at such a young age to just like want to give me these types of things. And um, yeah, so that was beautifully said. So thank you for that, Suzette. Thank you. Oh, of course. Thank you. So, so let's talk, um, you know, we were talking pre-roll about, you know, just kind of as we start to wade into the waters of, of deliverance and, and uh, uh, discernment, you know, I think before I got into deliverance ministry, um, a lot of, a lot of Christians throw around the word discernment. Oh, I've been working on discerning this. I've discerned this well, et cetera. Um, but there's actually a difference between discernment and then discernment of spirits as well. So can you talk into that a little bit? And then can you also kind of share about how you got into deliverance ministry and some of the impacts that you've been having there? Yeah. So um, discernment is just the ability to know what is best, what is, it's really more wisdom knowing, uh, I guess, the right answer and apply to the right situation. That's probably the best way to put it in my head. Um, if I'm given two choices, uh, whether to eat um, cake or broccoli, it doesn't take a, a brain surgeon to know that broccoli is going to be better for you, but cake's going to taste good. So, uh, so you have to look at that and go, okay, so what am I discerning? Or maybe it's discerning a job situation. Maybe it's looking at uh, your friend's situation. How are you discerning your things in your life? And how are you applying for wisdom? Um, I, I live, um, another little story, I have lots of stories, about, um, I want to say two years ago, the Lord started. It was almost like he was physically tapping on my shoulder and whispering in my ear you know apart from me you can do nothing and initially it was it was almost irritating and it was like yeah i know and he kept doing it and uh, it was kind of like peter saying um it like jesus said peter feed my sheep and and finally peter surrendered and said yes lord you know i love you you know I love you. 
you know I love you. And, uh, and yeah, Jesus was the one that said to him, so feed my sheep. And then Jesus talked to him more. But it's that surrender point of, yes, Lord, I'm so aware that apart from you, I can do nothing. And once I said that with, with a different attitude and a different spirit, it was like he didn't have to keep reminding me because he really went after the attitude and my own awareness of, of pride. And um, so anyway, um, all that to say discernment, apart from him, you don't know what, I don't know what is the wisest thing to do. I don't know what is the best thing to do. Apart from him, I am unable to discern if I'm wearing the right socks with my outfit. I mean, just the, just the obvious even because he's, he's in it. You know, he might have given somebody a dream the night before that says, if you wear the pink socks, they'll know the message I sent to them in their dream was real. So I want to hear what he has to say. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> that that is awesome. And so how that way too? So how did I get into deliverance ministry? And that is a story. So, um, and I think I've shared this with you before, Christmas, when I was about twenty five years old. My dad shared a story about being at his church, and there was a guy from India. And well, you know, over there they see demons and and angels. Uh, because they don't shut down that gift. And um, I'm sitting there looking at him going, I, I'm not looking at him, but I'm hearing him and I'm thinking, oh God, Lord Jesus, I need that too. I want that too. It was like one of those mysteries that you have to have. Mm. And it's like, I was so hungry. I said, give that to me, Lord, please just give that to me. And, um, and so at 41 years old, Somebody mentions to us about uh, deliverance. They'd gone through deliverance in upstate New York with some people named Tim and Katie Mather. And uh, um, Holy Spirit says very loud as they're talking about it, you need that. It was kind of like, <laughs> you know, if you want somebody to keep you humble, Holy Spirit's really good for it because because <laughs> it's like, you you need that. that. You really, really, really need that. We want that to happen for you. It's like the whole Godhead is voting for you to have that. And and so that right there. Good yes, evening. that right there. And so I said, okay. And so what we did is we got together and we brought those we brought Tim and Katie and two teens down to down to the church that we were at. And uh for me, it happened September 5th, 2011, six days from before 9-11. But fifth, the fifth number has always been the number of grace for us. And so 2000, oh, sorry, 2001, not 2001. So, um, so we, I went through deliverance. And then the next day, the way they did it at the time, this would never happen now because uh, it wasn't in such the new stage. Next day, I was on the team, and I was probably blind as a bat at that day, hmm. um, and was not getting much of anything. And what I did see, I saw so clearly about knocking me off my chair. And so the difference, however, the difference of discernment of spirits is really the difference of knowing 
uh, what demons are there, knowing what the demons are causing. Uh, it's not something you want to walk into lightly. Uh, because if you don't know what you're doing, and um, there's a lot of warfare that goes along with um, knowing what is what is darkness and what the darkness is doing. And uh, we've we've paid we've paid a price to know that it's it's been worth it by far. Oh my goodness, what I have in Jesus right now, I would not give for anything, and I would pay any price for all over again. But there's, there was a price it cost us because the Lord had seen me in my bedroom in Tacoma, Washington. No, it must have been someplace else. Anyway, wherever we were living, must have been Oregon or something, saying, Lord, I want that. Hmm. And he eventually took us all the way down to Florida to meet Tim where I've been working on a deliverance team for what will be 21 years since September. Wow. No one should have to grieve alone. Cassie's Foundation is a community dedicated to supporting you through the loss of your child by offering real support from others who've experienced the same. Go to at Cassie Foundation on Facebook to learn more and consider donating to the Ms. Foundation today at MsFoundation.org. So, so I can't, I can't even, my mind is blown multiple times in this meeting thus far, Suzette, but that, that alone, um, you know, we're, uh, Hannah and I got started in October of 2021 sitting on the team. Right. So we're not even close. We're not even through a year of the, the first year. And, you know, the things that we've seen, same thing have been wild, but it's come at a cost. And yeah. that's just, that's just been, you know, for half a year. I can't even imagine what that would look like for 20 odd years. So, right. So, yeah. Uh, so what do you, how do you feel? So, because uh, I think the other thing that, you know, many, most people, as you mentioned, like in India, people are like angels and demons are on the regular because the authorities aren't shutting that down. Now here right. in America, as we know, you know, I'm sure people are listening to this that are probably like, what is, what are they talking about? Because yeah. it isn't common. It's definitely not in the center of church for people to be talking about, you know, spiritual warfare, demons, angels, and, and that. Um, so, so yeah, just wanted to talk through kind of like, if, if someone's sitting in the, uh, listening to this podcast right now and asking themselves like, well, you know, what are demons? What do they do? And do I have a demon? And what does that look like? So just trying to kind of like get on the on the side of around the impact of like helping people get free. And what does that look like? Okay, so I'll just I'll just share my story around that. Okay, what a demon looks like. For me, a demon looked like pleaser control. It, it looked like me wanting to please people so bad that my identity came from pleasing people. And I had to make everybody happy because the only way I was going to be happy is if everybody was happy. Mm. Um, I had learned from a very early age that if people weren't happy, um, there, was a, there was a very high price for me to pay emotionally and mentally 
So I had to spend my time making sure people having, well, that's one thing as a child, you get to be like that as an adult and you have more and more people in your life and you have to please all these people and you have to almost emotionally abandon your family so that you can make sure that everybody in your life is happy and you're creating these, these, uh, situations with people all the time so that you can be happy so that they can be happy so that you can be happy. And so when that was gone, I was initially lonely and then I was so relieved because I could stop. I could learn to breathe. I could learn to rest. And instead of making people happy because it was my identity, I could learn to love. Love is a huge thing for me now because it comes so easy since, since the, the demon is gone. And so, so how do you know if you have a demon? Well, did your parents ever sin? Mm. Because they're given permission through the generational curse line to come in and invade your life. Did your grandparents ever sin? Did your great-grandparents ever sin? Because it's given to the third and fourth generations for those who do wickedness. Now, I'm not saying they have to do bad. They have to be bad people. They've just had sin. Well, the Bible says we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. So most most likely, and and sinning doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that the enemy has access to you. And when the enemy has access to you, and you don't know about it, what happens, or you don't have understanding about it, what happens is darkness has a the darkness has a right to implant itself into your life. And it works really hard to be the captain. The thing that I'm concerned about is that people who say, well, I don't have a demon through pride. Guess what? It's so much easier to go and have yourself looked at and checked out and find out if there is one there, because there's a good chance there is one there, and there's no shame in having one there, because most people do. Mm. And I wish we'd get rid of this shame thing around, well, having a demon means I must be crazy. No, having, de having a demon must mean that the enemy's been fighting over your life and wanting your, it, he wants your destiny. He wants you to not have the destiny God wants for you. What he wants is for you to be destroyed. He wants you to um, experience defeat, frustration, hurt, all those things. That's his plans and purposes for you. But Jesus came to give you eternal life and make it abundant for you. So... That's what he wants for you. So you'll always have a choice. Everybody does. Do people have demons? Yes. Let's take the shame factor out of it. Yeah, they do. But it can be taken care of. Yeah, so the question is almost not, do I have a demon? But the question is, what demon do I have? And how yeah. have they been manifesting in my life to steal, kill, or destroy my life? 
to be yeah. able to take away the glory that God could be getting through my life. And as you mentioned, um, you know, we've been working together with uh, this ministry called Bear Creek Ranch in Georgia, <clears throat> where Suzette is one of the, uh, you know, um, team members on that team to be able to help people to work through some of this stuff. And then I think the other thing that is just coming to mind is that, you know, oftentimes, uh, people think about deliverance as just super focused in on the demon aspect of it. But the truth in reality is it's 10% demons, but 90% healing and learning once you become free, what, what does it look like of some of those, uh, some of those mind states that I've been stuck in that I now need to be able to learn how to, you know, through the renewal of the mind to get free from walking in some of that dysfunction that I've been walking in. Right. And here's the other thing that comes to mind. I was sitting with a loved one yesterday at my son's baseball game and she's uh, my senior. And I was just asking her, like, <clears throat> she was just sharing some really intense stuff of what had happened to her in her life. And I was asking her like, Oh, well, like, Whoa, like, you know, what did you ever go to, like healing any sort of like healing ministry in church and she's like no like i i just didn't even know that that thing like anything like that is even available to me right and i feel like it's almost like this level in church where we think like okay well christ he's the divine physician he's come to heal the sick right then like then then what's missing is like well then how does that then how does that happen? Like, oftentimes we just think, okay, sing the songs and go show up to the weekly church service and it'll it'll work itself out. But in reality, that's not always, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to put Holy Spirit in a box and say, this is the only right. one because he is amazing. And in a second, he can set you free from years and years of trauma. But that right. said, you know, oftentimes uh, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and grace like this to be able to, you know, uh, have to partner and collaborate mm -hmm. uh, with his beloved children to be able to help his other children to get free. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love this. Um, my thought in deliverance is we should have received it. It, it was ours the minute we got saved, but no one does that in this country. And, um, is part of the salvation process. So unfortunately, it's not being done. And if it is being done, I don't see it being done well a lot. So that's why, um, and, and this may sound like an advertisement for uh, Bear Creek, but I don't get money from Bear Creek. I've been volunteering for them for, for 20 years and I don't get a paycheck. I just love seeing the people set free. I love to see what Father does there. I love that. What does that look like, Susa? Meaning like people that are on this podcast today listening in and they hear you say, you know, we've talked about a couple different times people being set free. What does that usually look like in people's lives when they are set free? Both in the retreat setting, and then also walking that out from there. Oh, that's a really good um, question. Uh, uh, 
I'll use it in garden terms. Um, and I, and this is, I think it's a good metaphor. Um, I've been buying cow manure. Now it's doesn't smell, doesn't smell a lot, but I think it would be as if a person was trying to walk around with maybe two, 300 pounds of, of uh, cow manure, uh, feeling like they can't let it down, feeling like they can't let people down because if they, if they dropped the cow manure, they would let somebody down. Or if they dropped the cow manure, something bad would happen. Or if they dropped it. And so, so what it is like is like fine putting down that cow manure and letting it rot where it belongs, which is the past. Being set free is like being able to breathe, being able to let go, being able to, now I just have to deal with my thoughts. I don't have to deal with the forces that are continually feeding my thoughts. I have to deal with my thoughts because the thoughts are going to continue. You can, they are just more easily um, rewired. Your brain is more easily rewired and uh, your heart is more easily healed by far because I work with people all day long and we're working and some of them aren't interested in going through deliverance. I've offered it, but they just aren't interested. So with that in mind, then I think, okay, they don't, they don't want to um, go through this. We'll do this the hard way. <laughs> we'll just sit here and we'll talk about anxiety and we'll talk about depression and we'll talk about all these things that go on with them. And uh, we'll work on brain rewiring. And, and to some extent, it's very helpful. It is nothing like if we had gone through deliverance first, taken them through deliverance first, and they experienced the re rewiring from there. So much easier. So much that, that healing of Jesus just has so much more access to us. Not that he can't do it without it. It's just so nice. One of the first things I noticed was my mind was quiet. It was beautiful. It was amazing. I couldn't, I can't explain it other than my mind was quiet. I'm sure there are a lot of people you have in your audience that says, I've never had a quiet mind. My mind was quiet. They weren't talking to me all the time. That was so nice. Anyway, not to go do a side thing. I don't know if that explained what you were trying to ask me or not, Chris. Just throwing out some ideas. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a beautiful way to do, be able to describe it. Of <laughs> that's that's a unique image of being able to carry around a couple hundred pounds of cow manure that you're carrying around all day, and just all this extra baggage, uh, and then. Huh. Be like oh my gosh i didn't have to be carrying this around before and then also like on the on the post side of being able to have a quiet mind and to be able to find the the freedom or peace really there with that um i know you were talking about you know having the the pleaser control i i was uh in a place of being really affected by uh a spirit that stops your flow of blessing into your life. And, uh, you know, uh, my core motive in my life is doing and getting things done. So when those two things work in anti towards each other, of like not allowing you to succeed, 
and not allowing you to see success in your life just only continues to self perpetuate that failure in your life. And that was just, you know, constantly just no matter how hard I tried, just still feeling like I was not measuring up. And that, that really just continually just was wrecking and destroying me feeling. And, you know, like, does that, I think, you know, I, you know, I was set free in 2018 and uh, then was able to go to a, a secondary, uh, secondary uh, follow-up ministry, the more around healing. I think that was in 2020, early 2021. And so like, I still think that there's, I, I know I've got so much more work to continue to keep walking that out and uh, walking that healing journey out. Um, but yeah, I just, I thank you so much for sharing on that. I think the other thing that really, really resonates for me when we're uh, being able to help people in prophetic deliverance. So what this looks like is, you know, people in essence, during the moment, for those that don't know, like people are walking into a circle of Christians that have been empowered uh, through Jesus, through the prophetic, through discernment of spirits to be able to lean into uh, God and ask him, you know, for either words or signs or images of what is what is happening in the spirit world to this person. Um, but so just giving you that context, because I think this is important to kind of set up what I'm trying to say here. Oftentimes what I see that really pulls my heartstrings the most is that before people even sit in our circle, they're already starting to like, they're already starting to tear up. And then by the time they even sit down, it's just full on waterworks at that point. Right. Right. just back to what you were saying of like, I think by the time that you've already signed up and you've flown down to Georgia or drove to Georgia or however it took you to get there, by the time that you are finally sitting in a circle, I think you're so burned out and so frustrated from all the attacks that you've been going through that it's just like people are just, they're just so worn out. And, (laughs) And those tears are almost like... I mean, I don't know if it's just like, it's, it's like, it is frustration, but I think that oftentimes like they're tears of joy in a sense, because they realize that this is like a transitional phase for them right. to walk with our Lord to finally be able to be set free, be able to drop that load. That's just been, you know, so much baggage on their life and yeah. be able to start being able to walk out, walk that out from there. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what I think. Life with demons is too painful. It's just too painful. Well, especially knowing that you don't have to live there. I mean, even if I I uh, still have spiritual warfare and I'll walk into situations and stuff, and I go, "Why am I thinking like that?" Oh, there must be a demon around here. And so, so, um, so I'll I'll notice that, um, and I'll go, "Oh, that's interesting." But, but, you know, but now I walked into a room, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago and one set and I heard all these bad words and I'm going, what's going on? And this was in my house. And I went, oh, you're here. And it was upset because it had been found out. And uh, so I instantly took authority over it and got rid of it out of my house. Uh, but they're not merciful. 
they're not kind. And the sooner you, anybody would get rid of it, the better off they would be. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's a great lesson. I don't know people. You know, I don't know what level of processing people are going to be able to do on what we're talking about right now. But right, Suzette, that is uh, wildly helpful. And I think that when you start to walk in the gifting of discernment of spirits, you have to be. What it's been my experience that you have to be that much more vigilant and do your due diligence around recognizing. Um, a who's coming into your house and mm -hmm. B where you're going. Right. Because different scenarios bring different spirits. And, and they so, do. you know, you walk into a place and like Suzette's talking about today, you've got a quiet mind. Well, you mm -hmm. if you walk into a place and all of a sudden you've got all these negative thoughts and you've got like just all sorts of weird stuff going on. Like, like I walked in here a sane person and now I'm starting to feel like a crazy person. So I see, right. oh, well, chances are there's probably a demon in that area that yeah. is starting to mess with your psyche. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they talk all the time and they're loud. Hmm. I'm sure we've given people lots to chew on. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. So, you know, we, we've, you know, usually on uh, the podcast episodes, we dive into, you know, vices. And I think you've already been able to share about a couple of those things already today. Um, so I don't think we need to go there. But uh, what is, uh, so wanted to dive into kind of like where you feel like you've been naturally gifted in your life. Uh, what have been some of the virtues that you feel like you've uh, more naturally flown in in your life? Mm. I'm, they say I'm patient. However, you don't know if you are because you don't have any place to measure it by because you can only measure from inside your head. Hmm. Um, I've been told I'm, I'm loving. Again, you don't know what to compare that to, right? So, um, I guess, I guess the thing is, is that, um, my, my greatest everything is communicating with him. I don't know that that's a virtue. It is, um, and I don't, and it does, and it isn't a hundred percent, but if I can accomplish anything, it's, it's because of him. It is through him. It is in him so virtue i think i threw out a couple ideas love to be peaceful i love joy oh my goodness i love joy i love bringing i love bringing order to the chaos of people's minds how our lives how's that i love that mm. i love when i'm sitting with people i love bringing uh acceptance and forgiveness to families. Love that. And marriages and just people. So, um, yeah, I think that's that answers your question, right? It does, most definitely. Thank you for <clears throat> thank you for answering the question. And you know, as we be able to as we start to dive into prayer, just keep that in mind for 
if the Holy Spirit is calling you to do an impartation around some of that stuff. So Suzette, what's the biggest challenge in your life? I would love to be able to pray for you. And then as I finish, feel free to you know, kind of close us out in prayer as well. I think the biggest challenge in my life right now is um, always what next, Lord? What next? How will you manifest yourself in this season? How will you manifest yourself in that? What do you want me to do next? Because I'm not religious. I'm in love. And so a person in love is always trying to figure out how to please the person they're in love with next. I know that I, I please him just in my relationship with him. Um, not because it's, I do anything special. It's just because he just makes the grace for it. Um, but I'm always looking for what's next. What's next, Jesus? I want to know. Tell me. Talk to me. And so spiritually, that's probably my greatest challenge because I feel like I'm in a real season of transition and I don't know. I don't exactly know what's ahead. Um, I just know I'm in transition. And, and I, that may not be anything more than, you know, I go out and buy new towels, which I don't need. But anyway, so... <laughs> But I think there's like this inner inner uh, reality that I am in transition, so I don't know what that would look like. Um, so how to pray for me there uh, would be really good. And just steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord, so I want that. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we'll take that to prayer. Come Holy Spirit. Jesus, uh, teach us how to pray. Lord, we wait on you. Mm-hmm. Lord, I um, I mean, I think I, I don't think I know, Jesus, that I'm just as guilty, if not guiltier, than Suzette is of asking the what's next, Lord. Um, just the... Uh, and especially, you know, maybe being in season sometimes when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of darkness and just like, when are we pulling out of it, Lord? When is this, when is the transition? Mm-hmm. So, Lord, we just, we just pray that, that I know you've already given a, a massive amount of recognition of your presence to Suzette. <clears throat> and yet, you know, we know that through the history of your bride, that there's always been people that have walked in more. So, Lord, we just pray that that you would just pour out more of your spirit upon Susan. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that you would just, every single day, as she was saying, I think that really, really affected me today, Jesus, thinking about the importance of asking you for what socks that we're supposed to put on because of how cerebral you are and the different ways that you can manifest yourself in this world that uh you know for for those areas of suzette's life that that she hasn't been able to uh be cognizant of your presence that lord that you would turn that off and you would turn your love light on Mm-hmm. And that you would draw in even closer to her in this season. Mm-hmm. We thank you, Jesus. And we praise you, Lord, for bringing Suzette into my life and the blessing that she's been uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Father, I pray that you would only continue to bless her 
and that you would open the treasury of heaven uh, even wider for her and her family, and mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, any of the areas of her family that haven't been able to fully surrender their hearts to you, Lord, that that you would make a, a ruling and a judgment about this. Mm-hmm. But Lord, yeah. all we want to know, Lord, is that our legacy, that when people think upon us, Lord, that they think about you. And so the opportunity to manifest all the way through our bloodlines, Lord, that all of our children, all of our parents, all of our siblings, that everyone would be manifesting your presence, Lord. Yes. And that's what we want, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for answering this prayer and being mm-hmm. able to just bring more and more conversions and surrenders so that the kingdom of heaven can be manifesting even sh- more strongly on earth, Lord. Yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Father, thank you for Chris. Thank you for what he's doing here. Thank you for how he loves you. I know his heart is set on fire. Build the flame, Lord. Ah, oh, I see you giving, putting kindle, kindling on the fire. Nice. Thank you. Thank you that in the days ahead, he's going to see things he never dreamed he would see. In a good way. In such a good way. Just bless him. Bless him. Father, I uh, thank you for the people that are listening to this right now. I thank you for your plan and purposes for their lives. Father, I ask that you would you would make them so hungry for you that anything else would taste like dirt. Lord, may they learn to sit at your table and to eat your goodness and go, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good to everyone around them. May their feet be set on fire as they soak their feet in the oil of your good news. And may peace rest in their homes and wherever they go. I impart even now the ability to love the unlovely, loving and the unlovely. that they would know that it's not them who loves them, but the Most High. That they would be conduits for your goodness Hmm. to those who who don't know it. May they breathe you in. I thank you for that, Jesus, in your name and for your great namesake. Amen. Amen. Susa, while you were praying, uh, I had an, I was seeing an image of an eagle uh, in a tree. And uh, a couple of things, before I dive into the image and what I feel like the Lord is saying through that image, I just want to call your attention to a couple of things. Number one, uh, that, you know, that the image of the bald eagle in America is like the, the symbol of freedom and, and, and our country but also that eagles are known for their uh, sight. 
So I feel like the Lord is saying like that uh, he loves the fact that you have the, like he loves the sight that you have of being able to see into the spirit realm. Uh, whenever eagles uh, are, are uh, their, their predators come towards them, all they have to do is fly into the sun because of their sight and that falls away. So I think the image there is that, uh, that you always can lean into truth because mm. of being able to be an integrous woman of God, mm. that, that your integrity can never be questioned. And even when it is, you just fly to the truth because that sets you free. But lastly, uh, the, with the image, what I was getting is that, just like seeing this wind that was just like blowing on this eagle and the eagle just like has his claws like on the on its perch and just like hanging on there and i feel like the lord was saying like let go suzette mm -hmm. let go like i feel like the lord is specifically saying like like he's especially like just like you know as you were saying like you feel like you're in this transformational stage like there's something going to be taking place like i feel like the lord is just saying let go sees that like mm. flowing in these winds of change and mm. like, as it continues to flow into your life just to being able to let go of the branch and let god work in this new way excellent thank you very nice thank you so uh, thank you, Suzette, for blessing our audience on the Virtuous Heroes podcast where we inspire virtuous leadership. And uh, yeah, I just, I love you, sister. Thank you so much for all the ways that you've been a, a blessing to me, my wife and family. Thank you, Chris. I love you too. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.